Yes, I finally wrote my book. I'm an author. It's published. It's available on Amazon. And you ask, Priscilla, how did you do it? (laughs) Are you an aspiring author looking to transform your ideas into a compelling book that elevates your brand and establishes your authority or in your industry? You're probably like me and wondering how on earth you're actually going to make that happen given all of the demands of your busy schedule. Well, I didn't do it alone. And that's the good news. But you also want to be in the process in such a meaningful way. And I know there's some talk out there about people ghostwriting books, but that's really not a good formula for communicating truly what you know and how you know it. Instead, I prefer a scribe method. And what this involves is you getting large chunks of time where you're talking one-on-one with a scribe and working your ideas out all the while a transcript is happening. And then someone can go in, refine, edit, and then present back to you what you said. So don't let your story remain untold just because you have a busy schedule. I want to put you in touch with a scribe that would work for you and see what it would take to get you further down the road to becoming that published author. Just send me a line at info at littlebirdmarketing.com and I'll help you take that next step, give you the link to make that connection and see if this is right for you. Don't miss out on an opportunity to make your mark in the literary world. I know you have a book in you. Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. This is Priscilla McKinney, Mama Bird, CEO here with you as always. And we have been talking about so much tech from AI to all of the Apple, and believe me, I'm probably not going to list the whole list of all the tech podcasts we've had lately, but that seems to be all we're talking about. And I thought it would be a great chance to hear from Joanna Jones. She specializes in the tech industry, and this is what's going to be so interesting about marketing and the intersection of market research and technology today. So let me tell you a little bit about my guest. Joanna Jones is the founder of InterQ Research. They are a full-service qual and quant shop. They are in San Francisco, and they specialize in the tech industry. So everything from user experience and everything you'd expect from in-depth interviews and ethnographies biometrics, jobs to be done, all kinds of other frameworks like that. They are dealing with it specifically for tech-based companies. And you've heard of the companies they work for, Google, Disney, Salesforce, on and on. But we're going to hear today a little bit about what is on her mind. What are some of the key challenges that are happening in the tech space? So welcome to the show, Joanna. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Like I said, we've been having so many tech conversations, but I'm really looking forward to hearing about this from your perspective because you're not new in the tech industry. (laughs) This is years and years of experience. So it's not this idea of, oh, there's something new. There's always something new in tech. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about really what you're doing day to day. What are the key challenges that you're facing when you are talking to the tech industry that might be different from what other people at Qual and Quant shops are dealing with right now? Sure. The biggest thing for us is this is universal in the qualitative world, but getting the right respondents. And especially we work with a lot of B2B tech companies. And so 
it's very niche. So ensuring that we do the right recruiting, which we do our own recruiting in-house, but getting those titles that can be hard to find. So we do a lot of custom tailored recruiting, a lot of LinkedIn outreach, but getting the right professionals who are in the specific verticals that we're dealing with, whether it's a sales software company or a cybersecurity company, we need to go have specific titles and specific size companies and specialties so that we can ensure that we're getting those right segments for our clients. I would say in terms of day-to-day, we spend a ton of time on recruiting and working closely with our clients to identify the right participants for our studies. Wow. Yeah. Everybody seems to be having a hard time with that. You're looking for people who are incredibly busy. Yeah, that too. Yeah. (laughs) So you have a lot of specialties because over the years, you've just been able to really dive deep with a lot of different technologies. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned when we first talked that you had expertise in biometrics. So tell me a little bit about the ways you approach studying biometrics or what you're being asked to do in regards to biometrics. Yeah, biometrics are a fun one because obviously being able to pair physiological data with what you're picking up from interviews is very interesting and it tells a whole different story and different layers to the story, especially when there's contradictions in the data. The trickiest thing with biometrics is not making people feel like they're in a lab environment because that's going to obviously skew their physiological responses. So one of the most fun studies that we've done in biometrics, and we ended up replicating this a few different times, was for Delta Airlines. So they were trying to understand passenger stress from the time people leave their home to the time they arrive at their destination, where are the most stressful parts along the journey. And they wanted to combine biometrics with it. So they sent us the RFP, and I think that they were expecting some sort of lab simulation environment, (laughs) which it's just not going to work. You can't replicate the experience of flying. So what we did was we had our participants use a mobile ethnography app so they could give us video response check-ins. So we had about 10 different points where they would check in with us, like from the time they parked their car, checking in their bags, going through security all along the way. But along with that, the biometric component was we had them wear Fitbits because bits measure your heart rate and heart rate is an indicator of stress, sympathetic, parasympathetic data. So we, of course, collected baseline data the day before they traveled and then put the Fitbits on them. So it was really cool because as we got these video check-ins from them, they're like literally sprinting through the airport and recording a video on their phone telling us how they're doing. But then they would also tell us what their heart rate was at all those different points. And then we were sent all their heart rate data at the end. And so we could look at the graphs and corroborate that along the travel journey. And it was fascinating. (laughs) It really, they could tell us that they were stressed, but then you could see the heart rate like really spike, like going through security or waiting in line to get on the plane, for example, kind of those choke points that as we all know from traveling, just drive you crazy. So Delta was able to use that data to implement some changes in terms of their, particularly with their boarding process and their getting off the plane. That data was really instrumental in helping them understand that from a very specific level. So... (laughs) Yeah. And I think you travel a lot like I do. And so I have a couple of things to add to this. So next time you talk with Delta, (laughs) I think what they should do is make sure that they're getting a good measurement the night before, because for me, it's all the stress streams the night before you're on a flight. (laughs) So I'm sure a lot of this study was super interesting, but okay, here's my side note, stressful thing about getting off the plane. And that is that nobody listens to the poor steward who is telling them, 
where to line up to get their bag mm-hmm. on the jet bridge. And I'm like, guys, were you all in a coma when he said this? Human psychology <laughs> drives is so me bonkers with travel. It is. It's just it's like we all know the routine. Oh. We all know that if you like yeah. out in, you're not going to get on any faster or get off any faster. But there are certain things that they can implement to just make that a better experience. Even things like the lighting and the music that they play can have a physiological calming effect on people. For them to understand precisely where those points were happening was really helpful for them from a design perspective in configuring both logistics of onboarding and offboarding as well as just the ambiance that they were trying to create. So when we do biometrics, we've done like the traditional biometrics where we have people looking at a screen and we're doing the eye tracking and we've got the GSR on their finger and we're having them go through apps and give us feedback as we interview them. But I try to be really creative with the biometrics to make it as natural as possible. And I would say that's a core driving philosophy at InterQ with our methodologies is contextual. Like I feel that research should always be contextual. So is it an individual decision or is it a group decision? That kind of dictates if you're interviewing people together in a focus group or dyads or triads, or if you're interviewing people individually. And the same goes with biometrics. How can we create an environment that's as natural as possible so that we truly are collecting data that's indicative of how people physiologically respond to situations? Let's take a short break. Hi, Priscilla McKinney here, Mama Bird and CEO at Little Bird Marketing. I'm so excited to announce, finally, my book is out. Collaboration is the new competition. Why the future of work rewards a cross-pollinating hive mind and how not to get left behind. So what's the book about? (laughs) The impetus was really about a gap that I saw in the business vernacular about how we need to work together to get ahead and have much bigger wins. I think it's super important right now because there is a growing need for collaboration in the business world. And I made this book super practical. In fact, the chapters tell you how many minutes it's going to take for you to get through them. I know you're busy, but these kinds of ideas are going to, I hope, permeate into your thought process and help you get ahead quicker. The first part of the book is about what is the state of affairs in business and why I believe collaboration is really needed. And it also goes on to explain these are the fundamentals that need to happen so you can have collaboration. So once you set yourself up for the win, then it's not always smooth sailing. And I finished the last half of the book giving you seven different anchors that you can use as a practical tool in order to make sure you stay on course. So in a time when business has never been more complicated, this book offers a fresh and, in my opinion, much needed perspective. It moves away from that idea of linear success and instead brings people together to give you a competitive advantage. Visit PriscillaMcKinney.com for more information. So what have you seen over the years of working in tech? Because at one time, and we'd have to go back pretty far, but you really have been in this industry quite a long time. At some point, there is tech, and we're looking at it, and there's only early adopters participating in a particular type of tech. But now we have a million different kinds of tech that everybody is using. They can't help it. They wake up and they're using. So what's your experience with how much you work on cutting edge tech and where people have barely heard of what it is you're studying versus Mm -hmm. just stuff that is just so common now? 
Yeah, that's a really good distinction. Honestly, we work with so much B2B type of companies and we do B2C tech as well, but I'd say we've been more cutting edge on the B2B side. We were doing the very first project that InterQ had as a company eight and a half years ago was an AI company, an AI project for a healthcare tech company. And I was interviewing HR professionals to try to understand how could we sell this product into them and what were going to be the hesitations with data privacy for their employees and the type of information it was collecting that the AI was then prompting employees to try to make better choices So from the very beginning, we've been doing, I would say, some pretty cutting edge projects way before AI became such a big buzzword. But a lot of it was around adoption and privacy and how people would respond to their data being used, honestly, to be, you could say prompting, but let's call it spade a spade, manipulating people, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would say some of the most interesting projects have been in that space of just really trying to understand from a corporate level how much you can push it with AI without having that kind of big brother fear factor from both employees as well as from the companies that are implementing the technology. So if I could just unpack a little bit about what you said earlier about what you need in order to get that really natural response, Mm -hmm. would you say that contextualizing and that making everybody very comfortable and getting that right environment, is that your driving philosophy and how you conduct research? Or are there additional layers to that? What else are you thinking? Yeah, that's a big one, even to the point where I was very early on the train of not interviewing people at focus group facilities, but we were interviewing at WeWork years ago, six, seven, eight years ago, because it was a much more casual office environment. And I had my own camera equipment and recording equipment so we could stream it live. I was using Zoom way back in the day before, long before the pandemic, because I wanted to get people to feel very comfortable and relaxed. And especially when I'm asking some sensitive business questions about cybersecurity policies and what they do if there's a breach and the type of software that they're using. And you have professionals in a room discussing this type of stuff. That's pretty sensitive. So my whole goal is how can I make this a casual conversation and get them comfortable so that we can open up and really talk about it and not feel like they're being interrogated with a mirror right there. So everywhere from the setting that they're interviewed in to if it's a group decision or individual decision, as I mentioned earlier, but just trying to make it as natural as possible to put people at ease, because I'm sure that too, from interviewing people on your podcast, as people feel more comfortable and relaxed, they're going to open up more and they're going to tell you more. And so my goal as a moderator has always been, how can I tap into that? How can I make them feel at ease and give them that sense of anonymity and confidentiality so that they can truly divulge what's going on in whether it's their workspaces or if it's consumer home environments or personal habits to help the client ultimately deliver solutions through product development. And that makes sense too, because there's a lot of trust going on the other side. These are technological advances and you're being asked to really be privy to what these companies are doing in order to gain a competitive advantage. So I think you're probably seeing that on the side with you between you and the client. And then now you're extending that type of trust over to the respondents you're working with. So Let me shift gears just a little Mm -hmm. bit because I don't want to end our interview without talking to you about the other thing that we have in common, which is that we are both female founders and that we are running our firm. So tell me a little bit about your perspective. I'm really interested in hearing it because 
it is more unusual, sadly, hopefully mm-hmm. eventually it won't be, to have other women in tech. So tell me a little bit about your experience as a female founder and what it is you're seeing in the tech industry, what's changing. That's a good question. It's definitely gotten more progressive since Interkey was first founded. I tend to work with a lot of my clients, my direct clients are product managers or marketing managers who are tasked with having research conducted. So it skews definitely, I would say 50-50 female in terms of my direct clients. I feel like I haven't had a lot of situations where I felt like, oh, wow, I'm the only female in the room or Are they going to trust me? Are they going to believe me? Do I come off as credible? I really haven't, thankfully, encountered that much just because of kind of the nature of who a lot of my clients tend to be. And then working in high tech, it attracts pretty good range of people too. So it's, and then qualitative research tends to be, there's definitely a lot of other female founders. I'd say that it's a pretty rare industry in that sense that when you go to conferences, I'm sure you've seen, there's a lot of females there. Social sciences, it attracts more females, which to me has been extremely encouraging and inspiring to be in an industry where there's a lot of females running companies. And for me, it's been so supportive. Like I have a group of women who I met through QRCA. We all own our own businesses and we get together every few months and drink wine and just talk about our businesses. But to have that kind of social support has been really wonderful, especially because it's such a esoteric industry in a lot of ways. So I feel really grateful that I don't feel like the barriers are quite as steep as certainly many of the other industries where there's not as many female founders. But yeah, certainly you still see the huge disparity. Like right now we're working with a venture capital company and they're trying to, it's a branding project, but the amount of female founders that I'm interviewing on behalf for them is minuscule compared to the males that are out there. So you do see it a lot in terms of when I go into other industries and see what The playing field is there with who's actually at the helm of the companies. It is still primarily male versus female. Especially private equity. Yeah, (laughs) private private equity, equity, venture venture capital. capital. That's still where it's at with a little bit of a disparity, but hopefully we'll see some changes there too. Well, Mm -hmm. I do want to unpack something you talked about at the very beginning because I do think it's really relevant for my show. And that is how important it is to really get the right respondent. So we know this is a challenge in Mm -hmm. market research. And then you have an additional layer of challenge on top because it's in tech. And then on top of that, maybe even when you're working on something that's a little more cutting edge, But is there something that you would share with the people who are listening who are struggling with the same issue? Mm -hmm. How do we get really high quality respondents? Yes, once you get them, like you said, you can get them in a really nice environment. You can get them very comfortable. But Mm -hmm. how are you finding them? And what would you have to say about that? Yeah, the thing is, you're going to have to be willing to spend a good portion of your budget on recruiting and incentives. Like sometimes our projects, half of the cost is recruiting and incentives. Just the sheer amount of time it takes to do all the LinkedIn prospecting, send those personalized notes to people, schedule them. We do Zoom screening as part of every project we do. So there's an additional layer there too. And then of course, the incentives are pretty high the higher up the job title you go. So my advice is find a customized recruiting company that can do it for you. Relying on databases, you're not going to get those real niche titles. So you're going to have to be willing to prepare your clients ahead of time that this is going to be a higher budget ask if you want to have these specific titles and quality recruits, of course. 
And then just partnering with a good firm that has a track record of recruiting specifically in that area. Like, for example, we don't do healthcare recruiting. That's something that's so specialized that we don't even touch it, but we do obviously a lot of tech recruiting, a lot of B2B recruiting. So it's just knowing what lane you're in and staying in that lane and then finding partners and vendors to work with that have that expertise as well. Yeah. And there are a lot of them out there who And there are. Have... Yeah, there's some great ones out there. So you just have to go to the conferences, meet people, look on Greenbook or wherever they may be advertising or just ask for referrals. Like QRCA has been fantastic for us in terms of just networking and talking to other professionals in the industry. Who are you using for this project? Can you give me some leads? Just rely on those in-person connections that you have too, because I found that other researchers are super helpful with sharing and helping each other out with projects that way. There is a lot of sharing in this industry. It's such a great industry. I really love it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I was just at uh, the Insights Association Corporate Researchers Conference and people just away in small little groups and say, really, how'd you do that? Tell me this. Tell me more. Mm -hmm. And here it is. It's social scientists on top of social science. Of course, they're going to work together, which is just really wonderful to see in this industry. I love it. Yeah, I do. It's my favorite part of the industry. But yeah, so I would say take advantage of that. Try to make as many in-person connections as you can and rely on those networks to help you if you have, you need a vendor for a specific type of project. People tend to be very helpful with that. I love it. Joanna, thank you so much for taking your time and talking to us a little bit about what's going on in the tech yeah. space with Qual and Quant. But you can find her at InterQ and that's I-N-T-E-R-Q hyphen research.com. So check them out on the web. And then also Joanna Jones is just J-O-A-N-A Jones, J-O-N-E-S. So find her on LinkedIn. I know she'll get back with you, but thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time. Absolutely. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure to be on your show. From all of the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.